Amen. It's been a while since I since I've um, preached or taught before you, and um, I'm just excited about what the Lord is doing. He's doing great works here at Bristol Hope, and um, it's just amazing seeing God at work and just seeing how um, you, we had three baptisms today, and just how the the the, the youngest one, Maya. How I mean, just listening to her testimony um, before the baptism, just hearing her testimony a few weeks ago from her mother, it, it just blows my mind how the Lord will get to right where we are and speak to us. Amen. And he spoke to Maya and spoke to her in a way that uh, caused her fear to just go away. So like for her to realize that it was nobody but God that removed her fear and that she was, first of all, able to turn to God in her fear and uh, see the manifestation of God's presence just taking away her fear. It's, it's amazing. Amen. 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 So today I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, baptism, um, but I would like to give you some biblical pointers to guide you on your spiritual journey. Because a lot of times, you know, everybody talk about I mean, the, the, the church leaders or even um, your mother or your father who are in the Lord. Uh, tell you that you need to be saved and tell you that you need to be baptized, but they never tell you really what to do after baptism. Amen. So I want to give you some biblical pointers for that. Amen. So when one is baptized, their sins are forgiven. Amen. And it's based upon the faith in Jesus alone. Baptism is important, is an important symbol of death to our old way of living in a new beginning in Christ. Amen. Amen. I think back to my childhood. Well, first off, before I go into the sermon, I just thank God for my wife, um, my two grandmoms that are here. Amen. Uh, my mother, my friend, Tori, my cousins, just everybody that's here um, to hear the word of the Lord God, but to also uh, support me. Amen. As I present the word. But um, I, I remember in my childhood being, um, I would say, seven or eight, me and my brothers, uh, we would play church. And sometimes my cousins would participate. Uh, we would play church and um, we would sing some songs and we would imitate uh, some of the members in our church, the older members. <laughs> and we would praise and we would dance around just like they would. And... Um, I remember experiencing the presence of God, even in play church. And I'll never forget when I started to dance one time, I felt the glory of God as I was dancing. And I told my brothers, I'm serious, y'all. I felt something. And they kept on saying, you don't know what you're talking about. Stop. You, don't, you didn't feel nothing. I said, I know I felt something. And um, I remember um, a time where uh, my mom... My mother right here was uh, uh, struggling in her addiction, and at one point in time, she couldn't keep us all, so I think we ended up, I ended up going with my grandmother, who's a Jehovah Witness, and um, I'm sorry, before I went with her, before I went with my grandmother, who was a Jehovah Witness, I remember going to church um, probably like months before uh, I moved with my grandma. And I remember the presence of God so strong, everybody praising God and dancing. Even my grandma, she was up and she was dancing. And I, and I was sitting there 
and I felt like I was pushed out of my seat. And I had to be like 10. And I felt like I was pushed out of my seat and I sat back so quickly. I said, I don't know what that was. And um, the preacher began to preach and he talked about salvation. And I remember saying, you know what? I want to be saved. And at 10 years old, I, I said, you know, Lord, I know you're real. You know, nobody else, you know, is, is experiencing, you know, in my circle, nobody else is, is experiencing what I'm experiencing. But I want to know you. I know that you're real. I feel your presence. It's something about, you know, when the when the um, gospel songs will come on, it will just encourage my soul. Amen. Um, times where I felt like I was by myself. Amen. I remember, you know, uh, going different places and hearing worship music and it changed. It, it did something for me. So I came to know the Lord at 10. I got baptized. Amen. And immediately after that, that's when um, I had to move with grandma, who was a Jehovah Witness. And I would I would go to grandma and I would say, grandma, I don't understand. I, you know, I felt the presence of God when I went to church. I felt the presence of God when we played church, but I don't feel the presence of God when I go to the kingdom hall. No. And she said, well, I don't, I don't know what, what you're expecting to feel, but um, you know, we have the love of God here, you know? And I thought to myself, I said, something ain't right. I said, but God, please, if this is not your will for me to be here, step in. And get me out of here because I feel like I'm learning so much from the kingdom all. I mean, they, they study with you every day. They make sure you know the word. And I thank God for that because I learned the word. It was some errors. But for the, for the most of it, I learned the word of God, the stories and all of that. I learned all of that. And um, thank God that he taught me that. But to make a long story short, I prayed and asked God to show me which is the right religion. That's in my words at 10. Like, God, which way is the right way? Um, I don't know. And so after that, uh, my mom was able to, I mean, one thing about my mom, she got herself together quick. So if she messed up, she jumped up quick and made sure that she got us a home and got us in place. Amen. And she got, uh, she got everything together. It probably wasn't probably a month or two real quick. She got herself together, got her, got her, got us in a stable home and all of that. And she was like, and even though my mom wasn't going to church consistently, she was like, y'all going to church. You're going to church. You ain't going to the kingdom hall. <laughs> Amen. So, you know, I, I needed that. You know, God answered my prayer and it just showed me how much he loved me, and how much he cared. Even at 10, I was able to realize that uh, he, he, he has a plan for my life. Amen. Amen. So why should we be baptized? I'm glad you asked. Because the Bible says so. In Acts 22, verse 16, it reads, And now why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Acts 18, 8 says, And many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says, and Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, 
even to the end of the earth. Amen. Saints of God, please, please keep in mind that it was not by your good deeds that you were able to come to the Lord and be baptized. Amen. In Ephesians, it says grace you have been saved through through faith. And this is not from yourselves. So look at your neighbor and say it wasn't because of your good deeds. Amen. So after receiving salvation, um, you know, I went through some things and got into some things. But by the time I got 18, I started having visions um, and the Lord started speaking to me and um, I rededicated my life. I didn't have to um, get saved again because you only get saved once. Uh, but I rededicated my life back to the Lord and he began to speak to me and lead me and guide me. Amen. And um, I, I, I began to learn. Um, that it wasn't by my works that I was going to receive God's grace or receive salvation. It wasn't about earning it. And I think that's where I messed up at the age of 11 or 12. I, I started to do bad things and started to think, okay, well, I can't go to heaven because I keep messing up. And so I started to think that because I messed up a certain amount of times, then I lost my position. Amen. So I, I felt like I couldn't I couldn't go to heaven because I, I couldn't earn it. Amen. So um, this pastor, Michael Todd, um, from, from Transformation Church, I want to share um, a little bit of um, his perspective, which comes from the word of God about grace and about salvation and just how it all works. And it's not about our um, our doing, but it's about God's grace and his love towards us. Well, we know the only perfect person is Jesus. Okay? He, he, he lived a perfect life. He died in our place. He, he did this whole thing, and he did it perfectly. Now, we need the account of a bad person. And I don't know, just for kicks, we'll just go ahead and put a guy that I know up there who was a bad person. Me, okay? I was a bad person before I came to Christ. Now, we need the account of a good person, okay? And... Not because I'm trying to get any brownie points or dinner tonight, but Natalie. She was a good person. And, and, and this is um, the accounts of a bad person, a good person, a perfect person. So let, let's put it like this. Righteousness, okay? Like, that's right standing with God. R-I-G-H-T-E-O-U-S. That's right, right? Okay, I'm hooked on phonics still, but the Lord uses me. Uh, and then S, we're going to use as sin, okay? So what did my account look like before I believed in God? Sin, 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 living sin, talking sin, watching sin, messing with sin, doing sin, having sin, want some sin, eating sin, just sin everywhere. Like it was just sin Everywhere, like, like this is what my account is like. Don't judge me because your account. Well, no, this is bad. Okay, but I did some right things. I, I did some righteous things, and so there's a, a few little R's, little little B, little little R's. You know what I'm saying? I, I helped and I served in my youth group. Like there's some righteous things, but for the most part, sin. Now Natalie, she was a different type of child. Like, like her mom, like if her mom said she was disappointed in her, she would start crying. 
Me more because she disappointed all day. She had to beat me three times to get me to cry. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so Natalie did good things. And so she did, her account looked more like this. Like, righteous, righteous, righteous. Oh, yes, mom, whatever you say, I'll do this. Yes, yes. And, and, and what ends up happening there is because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's sin there, too. So, so there's some sin. Let me, S. Yes. Like, like it's just, it, it's not. And what did Jesus' account look like? It just looks like righteousness. That, that's it. Okay? So, so these are the accounts of, of people. Now, now, I want you to see what Isaiah 64, 6 says. It says, but we are all like an unclean thing. Okay? And all of our righteousnesses, that's every right thing that we can do, are like filthy rags. So, so maybe, maybe these R's aren't standing for righteousness. Maybe these R's are standing for rags. Mm. So compared to Jesus' righteousness, when he looks at me, he sees sin and rags. When he looks at Natalie, he sees rags and sin. He doesn't see righteousness. And so most of us think that the good people are somehow in this category. But Jesus says, all I see, when I see it, as I see rags and sin. So what did God do? And this is so exciting. This is why understanding grace is so important for every person in this room. This is why what you've been through is not summing up what God has done for you. This is why what Jesus has done is more amazing than anything you could ever believe. Because what Jesus did by obeying the Father. So we have Jesus back over here. And what he had is righteousness in his account. And Michael, guess what Jesus sees or what God sees when he looks at me? One big S for sin. Natalie, he sees one big sin. Abraham, let's just bring our father of faith in here. One big sin. You. I'm just going to put you in here. One big sin. All of our accounts have sin. Every one of us. Except Jesus. Now look at the scripture in 2 Corinthians 5.21. Here's what happened 2,000 years ago. God took righteousness. And he took it. Look, look I want everybody to see this. He took it from Jesus' account. He erased righteousness when he came to die for us. And he put sin in Jesus' account for all of us. Prove it to you. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. No, you got to see this. He literally took the perfect human and the perfect one who did this right. And he knew no sin. He made him sin not just because. He made him sin for us. That we might become. What, what should we become? The righteousness Amen. of God. Yeah. In Christ Jesus. Y'all. So when Jesus came to the cross. He bore all of our sin. And what did that do for you? It took and erase sin out of your account 
It took and erased sin off of your life. It took and erased sin off of your conscience. Your turn. But this is the thing that we have to understand. Amen. 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 So we are made the righteousness of God because he is our righteousness. And he has cleansed us and gave us a new slate. Amen. Just like the prodigal son. Amen. When he took what belonged to him from his father and went and spent all his money and did all that he desired to do. Amen. On his way back. I mean, when he came to his senses and on his way back home. The Bible says that the father met him as he was walking back. The father met him, greeted him, hugged him, gave him a ring, put on a fancy robe and threw a party. Amen. And the Lord does the same thing with us. Amen. We don't have to earn his love, earn his grace or earn his blessings. Amen. Hallelujah. The prodigal son returned back home and he didn't have to work extra hard to get back into the palace. He didn't have to get on his knees and cry to his father begging for forgiveness or begging to receive what belonged to him. The, the, the Bible says that the father met him with open arms. Amen. And I just want to encourage you to let you know that is not what you do. That's going to solidify God's love for your life. Amen. Hallelujah. It wasn't because we did so good, but it is because of our new position. Ask your neighbor. Ask your neighbor, where are you positioned? I can't hear y'all. Ask your neighbor. <laughs> what is your position? I'm sorry. That's why I was low. Y'all was, wasn't sure what I said. It didn't make sense. Okay. What is your position? Some of us view ourselves in the wrong manner. Amen? Oh, I messed up, so God does not love me. God does not like me. Or I didn't pray today, so, so he's not going to bless me. Um, as if God has a checklist waiting for you to mess up so that he cannot bless you. That's not the case. Amen. We have to get to a place where we, we just believe that his love is, is, is good enough that we that we want to surrender our life to him. Amen. It is grace that has brought you thus far. And it is a it's, it's an amazing uh, revelation when you can understand that it, it places you in a high mountain experience. That's how the eunuch felt. When he went away rejoicing after being baptized on the spot. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Exodus chapter 17. Can we have um, the music musicians come up? Because I'm almost done. Amen. Exodus chapter 17, verses 8 through 16. Then Amalek came and fought against Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said, said to Joshua, choose men for us and go out, fight against Amalek. 
Tomorrow I will station myself on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. Joshua did as Moses told him and fought against Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. So it came about when Moses held his hand up that Israel prevailed. And when he let his hand down, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy. Then they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other. Thus his hands were steady until the sun set. So Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this in a book as a memorial and recite it to, to Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and named it, the Lord is my banner. Amen? Amen. So, when we look at verses 8 through 9, let me summarize this real quick. Um, the Amaleks was, co Amaleks was coming at Israel. They wanted to, to fight them, right? So Moses decided to go on top of the hill, taking with him her and Aaron. When he went on top of the hill... And when he held his hands up, when he held, held his hands up, the Israelites would prevail in the battle. But whenever Moses got weary or tired, his hands would kind of go down. And when his hands went down, the Israelites began to lose the battle. Amen. And in the midst of losing the battle, Moses would get so weary and get tired that Aaron had to hold one hand up. And her had to hold his other hand up to keep his hands up. But it, there was also a stone that was placed underneath Moses to support his back. Now, in this story, we are going to use our Holy Ghost imagination here. And we are going to imagine Joshua, who was in the forefront of the battle. We're going to imagine Joshua to be the Holy Spirit. Amen. The men soldiers, we're going, we're going to imagine them being the angels. Amen? The Amaleks, we are going to imagine them to be our enemies. The physical war will represent our journey and our spiritual warfare. Amen? So Moses, when he went up on the hill, he didn't go alone. He brought two people with him to support him. So I, I, I just want to encourage you and ask you, who's on your side? Do you have an accountability partner? Do you have a prayer partner? Do you have somebody who believes in you, that's encouraging you, that's speaking life into you, that's not tearing you down, that's not hating on you, that's not trying to bring you to their level? Do you have a Joshua when concerning this spiritual warfare. Amen. And my question to you is, who's on your side? So get it. As Moses stood on the hill and had his hands up, he got a little weary. But before he got weary and went to the hill, I think about when I got saved, how I felt like it was a, a, a mountaintop experience, right? You feel like you're on top of the world. 
Nobody can tell you that it's a spiritual battle going on, right? You feel like can't nothing stop you. You're on top of the hill. You're, you're, you're winning. Amen. Your hands is up. But long behold, you're, there's going to come a time where you will get tired, where you will get weary, and you need some support. When I looked up her, her, it was her and Aaron that went with Moses to this mountain. When I looked up her and I saw what tribe he came from, let me get it right. I don't want to say the wrong thing. I got it here. See, I, I went away from my notes. <laughs> but that's all right. So. Oh, here we go. All right. So Aaron was from the tribe of the Levites, right? Levites were known to set the atmosphere for worship. Amen. Yep. And then we went to Aaron. I said her, right? First. I said Aaron first. Okay. Her was from the tribe of Judah. Oh, there you go. Judah means to praise. Amen. So the first thing they did with Moses was they placed him on top of a rock. When I think of a rock, I think of the rock of my salvation. Amen. Amen. That firm foundation, amen. The rock that the builders rejected, that precious cornerstone, amen. The stone that, that, that put completion to the building of the Israelites, amen. So it was the word of God. We're using our Holy Ghost imagination. It was the word of God that kept him steady, amen. That supported his back, amen. But you have to understand that in this journey and in this spiritual warfare that you're going to need more than just the word of God. Hallelujah. Her coming from the tribe. Y'all remember? Judah. Aaron coming from the tribe of the Levites. One meaning praise and the other setting up worship. Amen. So as long as Moses hands was lifted the bible says that the israelites prevailed in the battle and we know that joshua was in the front representing the holy spirit and as we praise amen as we worship as we ground ourselves on the word of god letting it be a firm foundation that as we have all of those components amen we're going to prevail in this spiritual battle. Yes, the Holy Spirit is before us. Amen. And he's fighting for us. Amen. Scripture says that the Spirit prays with intersection, intercession with such groanings that cannot be uttered. He's praying for the things that we don't even know what to pray for. And as he sit at the right hand of God and he intercedes for us, that there's a battle going on in the spirit. And though Moses was on top of the hill, he couldn't see all the details. He didn't know uh, 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 what type of weapons that everybody had. But one thing I know, 
is that he knew that he had to keep his hands up. And when I think about keeping my hands up, I think about surrendering. Are you surrendering your heart to the Lord? Are you surrendering your soul to the Lord? Are you letting God have his way in you? There's a song that says, I surrender all. Amen. And I don't think that means surrendering all, meaning I'm just going to be good and just get rid of all the things that I do wrong. But it's about a heart that is bent towards God. And it's saying, Lord, I'm not perfect. I don't always cross all my T's and dot every I. But here I am, Lord, acknowledging my wrong, acknowledging my, my, my shortcomings. And here it is, God. I give it all to you because there is no other way. Amen. Amen. So I just want to encourage you to let you know that in this battle, on this spiritual journey, God got you. Amen. And, 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 and just as Moses needed his Aaron and he needed her, so did Elijah need Elijah. So did Lot needed Abraham. So did David needed Jonathan. We all need each other, amen, to fight this good faith, this good fight of faith, amen. Hallelujah. So as long as this spiritual warfare is taking place and as long as we're on this journey, we are going to need to surrender our hearts. Let the word of God be our foundation. We need our brothers and our sisters. We must have intimacy with the Lord that involves prayer, worship, praise, and relationship. When we have the Holy Spirit and God's angels warring against our enemies, there is nothing that can stop us. Amen? Amen. We will experience victory. Amen. Moses experienced victory. And if you look, finish reading the story, you will see that the Lord spoke to Moses and said, now the Amaleks will be blotted from heaven. Amen. In other words, because of what was done on the cross by Jesus, who died for the remissions of our sins, because of what he did, he defeated death at the cross and he defeated our enemies. So no matter what the enemy do to us, no matter what he presents to us, if we can keep in mind that we are in need of intimacy with the Lord and letting the word be our firm foundation, we will prevail. In fact, the victory is already ours. Amen. The victory is already ours. So whatever it is that you keep beating yourself up over, and the enemy gets in your ear and lets you know that you're disgusting or he lets you know that you'll never make it or you'll never have victory. You have to look the devil in the face and tell him, I have victory over 2,000 years ago. So devil, you might have hit me with your best shot. But in the end, the Bible says that every knee and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. So even if your opposition is coming from man, it's a spirit behind it. Amen.
Amen. I encourage you if you, you know, got baptized a long time ago or just recently got baptized. Understand that this is not something that you earn. You don't have to do everything right. But accept the righteous one. And because you have accepted the righteous one, he has made us all righteous with him. Amen. Amen. So when God the Father look at you, what do he see? Righteousness. Amen. Amen. God bless you.